0: Hello, friends, and welcome to DBC Conversations. This is a podcast designed to help you go deeper and help you understand what it looks like to follow Jesus in our day. Each week, we'll discuss the messages taught at DBC and how we can grow together as the body of Christ. My name is AJ, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Chad Zook, and we're your host for this conversation.
1: How's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you? I'm great. All right, so here's the thing. So I just pointed out to AJ, and I just want everybody else to know this, too. I, I think AJ intentionally had me sit significantly lower than him. <laughs> so I, you guys have to pay attention in this podcast. I think he has like a little power play that's happening here. I'll let oh. you guys be the judge.
0: All right. That's not that's not the intent. <laughs> we'll see, though. Oh. Just kidding. Man, How what, are you? Uh, man, I'm good. I'm good. What you been up to? Uh, we just ate tacos, so... I'm better than I was two hours ago. Yes. No, I'm good. Uh, Today's Monday. So, Mm -hmm. doing a lot of just talking through important stuff. And we're starting a new path, Um, talking about prayer tonight. Mm -hmm. Just talking through that and what that looks like, guiding some folks through that. Yep. So, other than that, I'm doing well. Um, And a good weekend. What'd you do? Anything um, significant? Well, we're nearing the end of tax season, so Mm -hmm. like the last few Saturdays have been, I spent some time with Izzy, but then we had dinner with friends on Friday and Saturday night, so that was good,
1: and um, yeah, just kind of hung out with the family, took it easy. What Mm -hmm. about you? Well, you might have actually just done somebody a favor by mentioning tax season, like taxes? What are those? Yeah, here's a reminder, April 15th is coming up. Exactly. It's crunch time. Yep. No, I'm doing well. We had a pretty good weekend. I took actually last Thursday off and then worked Friday. But uh, last Thursday, went to Tybee Island, went over to Savannah for the day. It was super good. Cool. And uh, just kind of saw the sights at the beach and then walked on, I think it's Broughton Street. Yeah. Yeah. So had some good eats and actually went into a a hat shop and, and my daughter was helping me Shop for uh, a hat, and she said, and I think this is a direct quote. This is a modern worship leader's hat. Okay, so it was uh, in the same shape and form as like you would see an Amish man, <laughs> and uh, but so now you have that visual. But but she was trying to set just the perfect angle as at oh, what it would wow. be on my head. And I thought, well, man, is that all it takes? Let's go buy a guitar. This we're yeah, going to seal the funny. deal. Yeah, you could. So it was amazing fun. That's so funny. And uh, and then I saw it was like one hundred eighty dollars, and then I decided, wow, I could think of one hundred eighty different ways of spending one hundred eighty dollars. So I did, but it was great. I had a great time with the girls, and uh, great memory, and just it was good to spend the day there, and it was beautiful. Got to soak that up, man. There was not like a million people at the beach. That's always There's, nice. The only thing that that was plentiful at the beach was jellyfishes, Uh, like all over the sand everywhere. Oh, okay. Which was, it was just weird. We didn't get in the water or anything. Yeah. Hello. It's still, you know. It's a little chilly. It it is. Just a little bit. But yeah, but doing pretty good. Saturday, chilled out, I think, for the most part. Man, that's been like two days ago. It does feel like a
0: a whole whirlwind has happened since then. I don't know why yesterday felt like a long day, but... It was a long day
1: for me. I'm yeah. sure it was for you too. It was, but it was a great day. Yeah. It was a great day. I thought both services were great. Arise was great. And uh, just really love this topic. Uh, the topic of family is something that is just near and dear to me. Some, mm-hmm. like, part of my faith story okay. is, uh, is the biggest part, I think, has been woven through the redemption of uh, some brokenness in me. That has hopefully helped me to be a better husband and father. Yeah, and uh, and yet, man, I can just as we've said several times, I could just go right into the ditch, and I could, I can create an idol. Whoops, it slipped. Yeah, I can create an idol of my family or my right. marriage or or the ideals of it. So, mm-hmm. of course, we went more than knee deep into that yesterday. Oh, it was
0: it was a heavy message. It was. I thought it was really good. I thought that it was not something that. We've heard a lot about, mm-hmm. uh, especially just in today's day of sermons and even yeah. church culture. I mean, this isn't this isn't something you're going to hear every week at a church. But I thought it was it was needed, and just looking at Jesus' words and his teachings, mm-hmm. and actually, all right, where does my life fit into this? I think it, you know, it showed that we probably all have some reflection to do on that. Mm-hmm. So it was really really good and challenging at the same time, but good.
1: Yeah, and when it comes to the to the hard sayings of Jesus, you know, th- there is a... I just really dug into that quote from Piper and just talking about when it comes to the, the hard teachings of Jesus, how it just it brings about this self-defensive posture within our heart. And, uh, or it can anyways, is sure. what he had said. And uh, so I just wanted to kind of throw that right out there too and just say, hey the heart teachings are supposed to teach us something about God, something about us, and in everyone, if we would just dig into that, there's something that that we need. Yeah. Yeah. So the
0: bottom line yesterday, in case you missed it, haven't called up just yet, is this family is a wonderful gift, but Christ is the treasure of a life of simplicity. Mm -hmm. So just continuing this idea of simplicity in all facets of life, not just material things or money, but now we're talking about family. Right. So tell me a little bit, you dug into this yesterday some, but I think we could go real deep mm-hmm. and help people understand kind of where we're coming from and mm-hmm. even your thought process on how the family has changed. Mm-hmm. you have some interesting things on on how, how the family has changed over the years.
1: Yeah, so over the last, I mean, I said 100 years, but it's, who knows, 80 years, 120 years, it could be, any range within there, that's a loose number for me, obviously. But um, the idea of family has changed so much, and there's been so many things that have caused it to change. Um, one of the things that that used to define uh, the American culture is, is we were very communal. We were in need of other people in our extended family. We needed our aunts and uncles. We needed our the grandparents to be close we needed the cousins we needed the support if we needed flour we needed to be able to, to say oh i can go over there and get flour or get whatever i just picked flour you sure. know but we needed people we were so much more communal and then as in times of prosperity it seems like there was less of a need for that type of communal uh, family identity so uh, through the the generations uh, Then it kind of went into the nuclear family. And by that, I mean, it's just husband, wife, kids, if you have kids and just kind of live your own life and you live separate than from your grandparents. And because of prosperity and some other things that were happening in the culture, it just seemed normal. Hmm. Like you just moved away. Right. And uh, so then, you know, you're living a distance away from grandparents. They only see you on certain holidays uh, and this is this is certainly not true of every culture I'm, I'm, this is really a gross generalization, but this is if you study this out even a little bit you'll see that this is true uh in in American culture but also and then today's family is is being redefined and one of the reasons why that it's been redefined is when uh, really the mindset of people when we were when family was more communal was more of a modern mindset where truth was considered to be absolute. And the Bible was was considered of the highest importance to find those absolute truths. And that modern, not necessarily in that, you know, we live in the modern era, but just the, the there, there's a such thing as the pre-modern, modern, and then post-modern. Okay. Well, the modern mindset they saw truth is absolute and the bible is a crystal clear um, way of finding what is true what's true of of not just your life but my life and the identity of family and really what that should look like and it had it, it had a bunch of flaws okay so just to
0: pause so i can mm-hmm. help the listeners so essentially what you're saying is in the modern era the bible was essentially the standard even if you weren't necessarily like um Maybe you didn't even consider yourself to be like a sold out follower. You still put the Bible up on a pretty mm-hmm. high level, like it was it was for truth and you believed. Everyone pretty much saw it as truth. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah. It's like just the when people thought of the Ten Commandments, they didn't see them as out of date. Sure. They saw them as, Oh, okay, these are really good for society. Okay. You know, or okay. these are these would be really I don't know if I'm gonna do all of them, but even if somebody wasn't a follower of Jesus, they would say that's a really good thing to honor my father and mother. Right. I probably right. shouldn't steal something. Um, I, I shouldn't even covet somebody else's stuff. And adultery's probably a bad thing. Sure. Yeah. And yet, in the postmodern era, uh, it was with the mindset, and that's we're still in the postmodern era. It's with the mindset that that truth is yet to be discovered. Okay. So, whereas uh, previously it was truth is absolute, and, and the Bible is a, is a great place to find it. Now, it's truth is just to be discovered. Okay. So you can unpack and uncover, and you can deconstruct all you want, and uh, and man, just keep looking, and eventually you're going to find the truth. And what we've found is people say, well, now I have my truth, and you have your truth. Yeah. And this has even woven its way into the family. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, I think that that's... That's a good place for us to really kind of start this conversation
0: because that that paints a really good picture on how we got. If we look at that and the modern versus postmodern, where we are today and where society has come from, we kind of have this interesting picture that's paint that's been painted mm-hmm. um, on even why my generation thinks a certain way versus your generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of this is generational. So where I would be mm-hmm. millennial, you Gen X, mm-hmm. and we have gen z i think so yeah so your daughter my daughter will probably be in that era like mm-hmm. it's just these different thought processes so we have this whole thing that makes up the human experience and it's it's very complex it
1: is and one of the things that i think that i would love for the listener to know is this every generation is raised as a consequence of the previous generation okay every generation is raised as a consequence of the previous generation. So your upbringing has been affected by your parents' upbringing. Okay. So we've been formed is another way we've said it before, by mm -hmm. the way we've been parented. Right. Okay. Absolutely. So I'll just use a pretty simple example. To me, it's simple. I was raised in such a way to where my parents just let me go outside and play. And as long as I'd be out there all day, I couldn't wait to go outside. It was fully expected that that all summer long I was going to be spent. I was going to be spending the time outside. I would come in to eat, and I would come in at dark. And if my parents needed me, as long as I could hear their voice as they yell from the porch at the house, if I'm a, if I'm a block and a half away, but I'm outside, then I'm good to go. Okay. The community that I was raised in was just a little bit smaller, slightly smaller than Dublin. Okay. So uh, this isn't like you know got a hundred people. Right. right. Kind of thing. Right. So, so that was just normal. And there's a lot of people. And if you are, uh, if you're a Gen Xer, that, you know, growing up in some rural capacity, Mm -hmm. I'm sure this looks a little different in New York City. Sure. In some rural capacity, that probably sounds normal. I hear over and over and over people around my age, they say, man, that's just how I was raised. Hmm. And, I'm gathering that you weren't raised like that.
0: No, I mean it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't necessarily like that. We. It's not like we weren't allowed to go outside, mm-hmm. but um, there. Let's just say there were boundaries around what we could and, and couldn't do, or couldn't places we couldn't go. Mm-hmm. We could go outside and play, but we need to let mom and dad know where we are. And mm-hmm. it wasn't like a how I've heard my parents describe it. Kind of just like, all right, well it's summertime, so it, when you wake up, you go outside and you don't come home till dark. It wasn't that. um, And of course, there are different things. Like when I was a a younger kid, we had distractions inside and we had video games and things like that too. So we probably Mm -hmm. stayed inside of our own doing versus mom and dad not letting us go outside. But it it wasn't, um, even if I wanted to go to a friend's house that was close by, maybe walk there if they weren't too far away. But yeah, it was not like you explained at all. And that's in a small town. Yes. Smaller than Dublin. Right. So if right. it was Dublin, there would have been no walking anywhere, you
1: know, right. or anything like that. Yeah. So, and, and again, I mean, there's so many nuances between sure. my particular upbringing, your particular upbringing. Uh, so you can't, those aren't a direct correlation. But I, what I can correlate is this, the flaws that I committed with my, with raising Austin, my son. Okay. And I think there were some flaws because... I I spent a lot of time outside but what I didn't have outside was time with my dad. Okay. I was outside and so that created a script in me a long just a for one a longing to spend time with my dad which again very very little time actually outside at all with my dad. It was just go out and play where I, I wanted my dad out there with me. Mm-hmm. I wanted, "Hey, let's go throw the ball around." We did it very few times or let's go throw the football or let's go you know, do something. Um, so I raised Austin again, every generation is raised as a consequence of the previous. Sure. So I raised Austin in such a way to where I was like, I knew what I wanted whenever I was a kid, I wanted my dad present, like with me. Hmm. So I was outside with Austin all the time. He wouldn't be outside really without me. Okay. We were out there and, and then he grew to he it, it, then he didn't have neighbors that he went and asked questions of. And hey, let's go, let's go play, let's go throw the ball around. It's dad. Can you, dad? Can you, Dan? Can you? Which to the listener, you may think, what's the big deal with that? Like sure. that's yeah. great. But what it also did is it it in some ways sheltered him from just hanging around with people he should have been hanging around with his age. Okay. And there was there was a, a relational closeness, but it was it was also at a cost. Okay, To where he didn't go outside unless I went outside. So essentially, with this mindset, it creates almost a fear or insecurity. right? Because you don't have the security blanket of mom and dad, right, if you will. Now, I don't think I was to the extent where I would be I would consider myself a helicopter parent by any stretch, right. But this is what's happening culturally. okay? It's parents unwilling to let go of their kids. And it creates fear and insecurity, like you just mentioned, in the kids. Mm-hmm. So it looks like, to the kids, the only people who can be trusted are the parents. Okay. And that is the beginning of an idol being formed. Hmm. Because it's, it's not trusting Jesus and leaning upon Jesus, not Jesus as the cornerstone of the faith. It's leaning upon parents. Parents are reliable. Gotcha. That's, that's who's going to be here for me at any time there's a crisis. And what it has also done is it's it's stunted a generation from being able to handle hard things. Hmm. So on the surface,
0: it looks like, and it even sounds like a good thing, like little Johnny won't go outside without his dad because his dad's always going to be there to play. But at right. the end of the day, it actually creates something that was actually not helpful.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, so I, I, realized, I realized this now. And maybe the listener, you're saying, well, that's not my story. And maybe it's not that's definitely mine yeah and from the parents that that i have interacted with and counseled and and i see what's happened with their kids now turning into adults and now you even see delayed adulthood in in adult males this is all connected Hmm. it's the fear and insecurity of they just don't feel like that they can that they can adult Hmm. and it's it's Parents being an idol, maybe they don't even know it. They're trying to just care for their child and say, right. "I just want to be there for you." And all of this, and I will say this, and I'm certainly not trying to toot my own horn. I, I, I did realize the error in this. He wasn't raised in this way. He's a godly young man. He, he is capable, and he's planning a future. And you know, he's sure. taking responsibility, and he's growing. Yeah. But I realize and realized. That was a problem, okay, and that that I had to say, no, I just can't go outside, hmm. and and I really wanted to go outside, hmm. but there was a time where I had to create that that distance for that intended purpose.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. I I think that um, again, all those things sound really good, and it, I think most parents and me now that I am a parent. Like, we want to be with our kids, and we want to experience things with them, and we're not saying you shouldn't. (laughs) Like, it's not that you should not ever go outside with your kid, but I can see how the idol thing does begin to form once they begin to develop the script that they always need you, and you always have to be around of a dependence on you instead of on Jesus. And this is where it gets in. We start to see the fruit of that really harm some things later on in life, because when hard decisions come, things in marriage, like your child has been formed this way, even in things like marriage or when they're a parent. Um, or even when they see the, when the child sees the mom and dad make a mistake, I could see how it could really confuse them because they've placed him on such a high pedestal. Mm-hmm. Instead of looking to say, okay, Jesus is actually the prize. He's the treasure to keep him at the center is what we've, the language we've used That's this very- series. And now mom and dad have either, you know, they've they've made a mistake or, they haven't been proven to be trustworthy or whatever that the case is, I could see how it could do a lot of damage to the child.
1: Family is a wonderful and flawed gift. Just summarize what you just said. That just came to mind. It is a wonderful and flawed gift. Yeah. And the reason why we put Jesus at the center is there is no flaw in Jesus. Hmm. Only perfection. Right. His plan for us is perfect and it's right. And as we continually submit and keep him at the center, it keeps us away from all of these cultural sways. Mm. Think of all the, the generations and how different they have been. Yeah, You know, think about the generation coming out of the Great Depression. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday after the service, and they were talking about their their mom and just having things and, And they came out of the depression, so they they held on to things. Okay. And then, so she said, yeah, she came out of the depression. Well, they didn't have a lot. So coming out of the depression, they were taught, the script that they learned was, you hold on to everything you have because it may be valuable one day. Okay. So, but now, now now her daughter (laughs) is having to take care of all the stuff that was held on to because of a script from a survivor of the great depression. Look at how back then it would be to hold on
0: to things. And now it's to let go of things. Right. So it's just a complete flipping. Yeah. And I think there are probably so many things we could talk for hours on mm. what's, what's flipped and what's been changed. And it's almost like a knee jerk reaction. Every generation is right. And I guess it's because we look and there's probably some pride in there. Well, there definitely is pride in there. thing. Yeah. We can do it better. Mm-hmm. Or we can do it uh, more efficient, or whatever.
1: Yeah, but uh, it's just funny to see how things flip over time. It is, and if if we're not honest with the people around us, with our family, with our our husbands, wives, kids, extended family, and just be honest about our failures, mm-hmm. they could. If you are successful, if you look like you have it together, if you've been married a long time, if you know you have. You know, you have a job and you have stability. They may look at you and say, "Well, man, they've got it together, and they could create an idol out of us." Yeah. So we we have to be honest about our failures, hmm. and just continually go back to no, no, no. This, you know, I'm I'm not perfect. Jesus is perfect. He's at the center. I I certainly don't want to be at the center of you. I think about this in a in a different sense. So uh, I have a friend, who who his his whole family leans upon him for everything. Okay? He's stable, educated, hard working, loves Jesus. But yet his his family, and he's he's an adult man, just leans on him for everything. Any any mess that happens in the family, it's his responsibility to clean it up.
0: Hmm.
1: And in that there's so much of a danger to where you could get lost in that to where then, then they're not learning what they're supposed to about leaning on Jesus because they're leaning on you. You're and, the hero of the story. Right, and, and, and I guarantee if I were to ask him straight up, he, he would never want that. To would be like, that is not my intent. Yeah. I, it just happened, and I don't know how to get out of it. But yet we have to have our eyes open. Hmm. You know, And if we have blinders on, we need to open those and, and really look and see what's going on in our family. Yeah. You know what scripts have been passed down? Are there certain scripts that have been formed that that show that we either idolize our kids or idolize marriage or the idea of marriage or or idolize family. Hmm. You know, are we are we nurturing our kids at the ex, at the extent of we're nurturing them but we're unwilling to tell them hard truths? Yeah. So we're not going to bring, maybe not bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, and we just want to be careful not to hurt their feelings, you know. And yet, what if bringing that training and instruction of the Lord was the very thing that God wanted you to bring them to shape their character in the future?
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the passage yesterday, that it was, you talked a lot about how Jesus says, and he uses this stark contrast of, Him to follow him, sometimes you may have to hate your mother and your mm-hmm. father, and that we read that, and that that's harsh. Like, right. even just saying it, just something in me just wrestles with mm-hmm. that. of, Did he really just say that? Mm-hmm. I could just imagine, like, what the people of that day thought. The point in all of that is to say, no, we should love God so much mm-hmm. that it almost looks like we hate other people. That's how much the contrast is. You use the example of somebody passing you on the interstate, yeah. uh, passing you it looks like you're standing still. It's like, no, you weren't standing still. You're probably going 75, 80 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. But the contrast, that's what it looks like to love God and to put Him above all else and His commands above all else mm-hmm.
1: and um, yeah it's it's quite a contrast it is, and it's it's such a contrast for people and in there's so many little nuances of this to us living in the south the The idea of traditionalism and family and family values are huge here. Hmm. Whereas in maybe other parts of the country, they're not as prominent as they are here. Yeah. And so that is just, again, I think just another way of saying um, that family can be an idol, and we have to look out for it. Yeah. And again, the scripts, the ones that are formed, um, a script that could be formed where you simply can't tell a family member that they're wrong. Because it's some honor code. Like, you you have to honor the family by not telling them the truth. Right. That what they said was wrong or what they did was wrong. Hmm. Or you don't want them to feel bad, so you want to honor them, which is really not honoring them. The best way to honor them is to give them grace and truth. Right. And I think that's what—we totally miss that because we
0: think— and it's a lot to do with how we're conditioned in our culture. We don't Mm -hmm. want to hurt people's feelings. And what if they don't like me anymore? What if they don't love me anymore? Like they're your family. They're, they're going to, they're going to love you. Right. But again, to distance yourself or maybe to speak a hard truth actually shows them that you care for their soul. Mm -hmm. Um, when we're not clear about things, I think it, it actually makes things worse in the
1: future when you're not clear about where you stand. Um, now, can, I, can I, I'm I? going to go into some, yeah, something go that we haven't really talked about. Sure. I know that some of the listeners, you, you tend to be more of the peacemaking crowd to where you're like, uh, deliver a hard truth, not doing it. Right. It's necessary that you do it. Mm-hmm. I know that maybe your personality grinds against it, but it's the very best thing for your soul and for their soul. Mm-hmm. And, and some other folks, you may be in the realm where you just want to just help people. You just want to help them. And you're concerned about their feelings. And might I say that maybe you're overly concerned about their feelings. Yeah. And maybe that in your response to help, you may be hurting. Hmm. And where it is grace and truth that they need, not just the grace that you long for. Hmm. And I'm going to flip the script again. There's somebody else who maybe delivering hard truths is really, really easy for you. Maybe you're eager to do it. Maybe you look forward to doing it. Uh, I would say that remember before you ever deliver truth, um, that it is a hard truth for someone in the family or outside the family. Just ask yourself, where's the grace in what I'm about to say?
0: Hmm.
1: And don't seek to justify those words with, well, that's just what they needed to hear. Right. Because we're looking for a way to love God and to love them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just as a comparison, the loving Him, it should, it should show out even more than loving our family. Hmm. So we're not trying to be unloving to God while elevating our family, and we're not trying to be unloving to our family while elevating God. It's hmm. really good. Those are all <laughs> so much easier to
0: say on a podcast or to talk about in a room than to hmm. do. Um, but I think it's, again, it's important when we look at the teachings of Jesus and what he had to say, and we take those things seriously. Mm -hmm. And you have these, uh, I don't think he ever said them, but I think they're well worth saying them now. I think I've saved him for today. There you go, yeah. When we look at the teachings of Jesus, um, that we don't minimize or overly humanize the radical teachings of Jesus. We let them do their work. Yeah, yeah. And we don't gloss over how these truths strike to the core of us, but we let them do their work. And then we don't let our defensiveness, or our pride or ego, keep us from spiritual growth. That we let them do their work.
1: Yeah, it's good. We need to be confronted. Hmm. Um, one of the one of the ways that God shows that He loves us is by revealing the sin in us. Hmm. And you've said it before. I've heard other people say it as well. But the gospel is an
0: equal offender. Oh, it is. It offends every one of us. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe you're listening to this conversation, or you listen to the message, and. You, and you really examine your life, and you maybe family isn't an idol, but maybe there's something else that you really wrestle with, and um, just the teachings of Jesus—they all confront us in different ways, and mm-hmm. we all have to submit them if we're really going to truly follow follow Jesus and be a disciple.
1: And at the core of this, we're not trying to be modern in it with that mindset. We're not trying to be postmodern in our mindset. We're trying to go into our life with a Christian worldview, hmm. and we can only form a Christian worldview if Christ is at the center, yeah. if he gets the first word, the middle word, and the last word.